Welcome back to the Far Post Perth podcast. My name is Neil Sherwin, and I'm delighted to be joined by Blaine Treadgold and Donna Jeffrey. Guys, it's been a while since we caught up in, in podcast form. We've obviously bumped into each other at the Perth Glory Games, but I'll, I'll be polite anyway and ask how you are. Blaine, what's been happening? Oh, not a great deal, mate. No, it's still just um, pre-season uh, for the old Metro side, mate, trying to get that fitness up in the in the heat of the summer yesterday. And, yeah, just, just tooting along otherwise, mate, yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. It's that it's that time of year where uh, you're you're told it's autumn, but it's actually still 35 degrees, which is good good fun when you're running around in it. Uh, Donna, what about yourself? Not much, just running around a little seven month old baby, so that's keeping me busy. Yeah, probably more more uh, more of a workout than what we're getting up to. So I'd say uh, you got your hands <laughs> yeah. full. All right, well we're going to crack into some football chat. There's uh, lots going on with the NPL having kicked off the uh, there's FFA Cup games even going on in WA and the uh, the amateur and masters and metro teams are all getting ready for their season which starts in about three weeks time but at the top of the tree in WA is Perk Lorien it's, uh, it's probably happier times than we've been used to recently um, the Glory are on a scintillating three match unbeaten streak um, still sitting in seventh in the A-League and um, with that outside shot of making finals. But Blaine, the most recent performance was a 3-1 win against the Central Coast Mariners. How much of that do you put down to Glory being good and the, or the Mariners being terrible? Yeah, no, I thought we um, I thought we did okay, to be fair. I thought we, we, we played relatively attacking positive football. Um, and I think they tried to do the same on the counter. Obviously, yeah. Um, Danny De Silva caused us a few issues um, certain stages of the match. Um, uh, their goal, uh, Andrew Hall, I think it was, um, was a it was a cracking finish. So uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't all one way traffic to us by any, um, by any stretch of the imagination. But it was good to just finish it off and 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 get our noses in front and keep going rather than try and uh, just rest on our laurels a little bit. Yeah, um, I think the uh, the. Glory were Glory were, were okay, I thought, in, in, in patches, you know, there was some really nice football played and they got a couple of nice goals. I just I just think that the, the Mariners are one of the worst teams we've probably seen for a while in the sense that they're all style and no substance. Um they just seem to collapse when they get to the final third and you know, you really should be beating a team like that at home. So I think, you know, it was, it was more of a case for me of, of job done for Glory rather than anything spectacular and it was it, it three points that they really had to get. Uh, considering that the Western Sydney Wanderers had disposed of the Wellington Phoenix the, um, on, in the same weekend. So I think, yeah, wouldn't read too much into that game, but overall they've, they've picked up seven points from the last nine. Um, Donna, looking at the league table, it's they're three points off, sixth place Adelaide United, um, but they have played a game more. 
Have you seen enough in recent weeks in terms of the results and some of the performances to suggest that they can keep that run going and close down both Adelaide and potentially Western Sydney who are in fifth? Yeah, I think um, I unfortunately didn't get to watch the last game. I just saw the highlights against Central Coast. But what I saw against Western Sydney, I thought that Perth Glory were the better side. Um, I didn't think Western Sydney did too much. I think they can keep continuing on this well, attacking play. Um, I'm very impressed so far. But Andreu had a great game a couple of weeks ago, and then I was watching snippets and highlights of the game, and he didn't look like he existed against the Central Coast. I don't know if that was just me that had that opinion or not. Um, but he seems to be disappearing again. So I don't know whether Kenny will change that up. But so far, so good. And it looks like they'll they'll make the top six, which will be considered a success to the coaching staff. Yeah, the, yeah, hide behind the uh, hide behind the whole reaching finals uh, thing. But Blaine, uh, I think the uh, Western Sydney game was was pretty awful for the uh, for the most part um, until the last probably five minutes when Liam Reddy got sent off and we got the always welcome sight of uh, of, a, of an outfield player having to go on goal. It's a role that Dino Julbic filled. Uh, he wasn't really tested or anything, but it was still it was still great to see. Um that game, yeah, it, it was it was significant to me in in one aspect, and that was the the sense of glory just conceding early and then having to chase the game. It's something we've seen quite often this year and uh it, it's something that really needs to be stamped out. Yeah, no, you're you're hundred percent right. Um I think that's been our uh, Achilles heels so to speak, um over the last few years was uh, struggling to get into matches um when we play away and and conceding early and then struggling to get into a game at all. Um yeah, no, I was I was luckily for the Western Sydney game, I was actually at a stag do so for for the um it was good fun there considering uh, we had the T V on in the in the background and plenty of plenty of the lads sitting around watching that, so it was luckily that I wasn't just glued to the TV alone because I think I would have um, uh, drifted off uh, before too long because it didn't really have much until, you, as you said, uh, you know, the later stages of the match. Um, yeah, interesting to see Dino um, put on the keeper's jersey and the gloves and, and getting goals. I think last time, uh, well, the big one that I can remember, a glory player doing that was Jamie Harnwell, um, early 2000s from memory. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah. It was uh it wasn't the greatest of matches, but I guess it was um it was uh, somewhat pleasing to be still be able to walk away with a point in, in Western Sydney because it's a place that we have gone and, and struggled in the past. The game before that was at home. Uh, it was the first home game we'd had in quite a while. I think a lot of supporters had forgotten their way to NIB Stadium. It had been that long. Um, we sat together, the three of us, in the in the new stand, and I was a bit surprised on it. It was your first time. Sitting and watching the game from that angle, um, what did you make of the experience up there and the the nosebleeds of the of the newsstand? I thought it was a great view. I'm so happy that you um, took us up there because I'm either on the other side, neither media or down the bottom. I've never actually sat that far high, but it was a great view. The, the skyline and just watching the game. And let's not forget the what was it? The bandwagon cam that the Perth Glory put on for us that entertained me. Yeah, that was quite hilarious. Um, I think that was the highlight of my ma- of the match for me. Yeah, Blaine, we, we, we did comment uh, throughout the game on Neil Kilkenny's influence. Now, I know Glory were aided by a, a fairly questionable um, red card in the sense that the, the second yellow didn't was given for a foul that probably wasn't there. But they, they put 
City to the sword and got the 97th minute winner through Adam Taggart but a lot of that was down to the influence of Neil Kilkenny either dictating players where to go and what exactly to do or just getting the ball and, and grabbing the ball grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck which is something Gloria have really lacked this season that sort of drive yeah, Neil's been a um, he's been uh, great since he's come into the side. Uh, um, not only with his with his skill and his presence, but also his leadership, as you, as you mentioned. Um, it was interesting just to keep your eye on him and and um, and watch him direct players and you know virtually delegate. It's something that we really wanted Andy Keogh to do as captain, but we we haven't seen it from him this season. Um, in terms of Kilkenny, I think he's 100%. Um, he should already be signed up as far as I'm concerned. And, he, and he's could even just walk into that captain's position um, on what he's on what he's shown. And, uh, he's, uh, he's a quality player. He's, he's played at some uh, some decent clubs over in the UK and at decent levels. And I think he'd be a, a welcome addition to the side in a in a, a semi permanent kind of role. Donna, speaking of re-signings, um, we, we mentioned probably the last pot, or maybe even the pot before that, about how we expected there to be some uh, personnel announcements in in the coming weeks. With, now that players, you know, were players that were out of contract were free to negotiate with other clubs and possibly tout, tout themselves around for a contract elsewhere next season. Glory themselves said that there'll be we should uh, anticipate some news in the coming weeks, and, and that never really materialised. And here we are, the middle of March, with well less than a handful of players signed on for next year. Is that a little bit worrying or is it a case of um, a good thing because the squad has underperformed this year so maybe we do need to lose a few? Uh, I think it's a bit of both for me. I think there's a couple of players that I definitely wouldn't want to lose to another to another club. Uh, Kilkenny has been great, as Blaine said. Definitely re-sign him. Uh, Lowry, um, he's another one that you want to keep on. But there has been, you know, there is players that haven't performed either. So I think this is keeping them on their toes. And if they are going to hypothetically go in the direction of getting a new coach in, I believe that coach should have the opportunity to source his own players and mould his own squad and not have to pick up what the old um, the old coach had created, let's say. But if they don't do that and Kenny is going to stay in charge, I would say that he needs to sign on his key players that he wants um, but I do believe the last, and I don't mean this in a horrible way, but I think Andy, is, his time is up um, from what I've watched this season. Um, I don't know about Castro. I think a lot of people will hate me for saying this, but I think he's, he's come to the end here with Perth Glory. I don't know if he'll continue to play or he'll take on a coaching role. But as I said, if they're going to get a new coach, then maybe hold off. Or if they're sticking with Kenny, then start signing those players that you want for next season, start building that team to ease off that stress. And Because I know, speaking to some players um, at various clubs, this just sticks in their minds and, that you know, it worries them, of course. They go home, yeah, they, they've got a job to do, but not having that contract signed and sealed, they just don't know what the outcome is going to be. So it can be a negative as well on their performances. Yeah, Blaine, I saw just comments on... Um... Uh, the video you guys did, uh, the, the fan reactions outside the stadium uh, after the, the game last week about Castro and saying, you know, this proves that we don't need Castro to, to win and that kind of thing. I think while he hasn't been his his, his brilliant best this year, the, the comments like that are a little bit skewed by the fact that it was only the Mariners. You know, I, th- I think they're, uh, as I said previously, I think they're a fairly terrible side to watch um, and their results would suggest that they're yeah, they're one of the worst going around at the moment. 
I still think you need your the likes of Castro. Um, whether it's him or whether it's a similar marquee pickup for next season, um, if, if Castro does go, that's got to be a priority. Looking at, at getting in a player who can influence games in a similar way to he, how he has done in the past and be that game changer that most of the players in the squad aren't really. Yeah, without a doubt, and I think it comes down to the approach that maybe some of the some of the players are taking going into the match. Um, we've seen it before. We've seen it over the last, um, you know, this season and the two previous that that um, Diego's been here. Um, they give him the ball, um, and there's not a lot of um, uh, running on and, and, and providing options and, and doing those one percenters because there's almost a, it almost seems like there's an expectation that whatever trouble they get themselves into, uh, it's all right. Diego's going to get us out of this, rather than trying to be a bit more proactive and a bit more accountable. Uh, on the football field, um, and I think that comment from um, from the guys in the uh, fan reaction video was was almost saying that you know it, it's it, it's proof tonight or on the weekend against the Central Coast Mariners that um, we don't need or not that we don't need Diego Castro, but we can if if by the odd chance that he isn't there that we do still have um, the players that can pick up uh, results here and there. Um, but granted, it was only against the Central Coast Mariners. All right, Donna, there's um, there's three games coming up in the next, uh, well, in a fairly short space of time. We've got under three biggies. It's it's against three of the top four. First up on Sunday, March 25th, you've got Perk Glory against Melbourne Victory. I should mention that Glory don't have a game this week, so that's why we're, uh, we're looking ahead to um, Sunday week. So it's Perk Glory against your Melbourne Victory. That's NIB Stadium. Easter Thursday, the re-fixed game, Perk Glory against Sydney FC, also at NIB Stadium. So two home games in the space of five days. And then on Friday, the 6th of April, uh, Glory then travel to the Newcastle Jets, who are in second spot and have been fantastic lately. Um, realistic points tally from those three games. Obviously, you're going to say that victory will give Glory a bit of a, a walloping at, at Nim, but nine points available. How many do you think they get? They'll get, and how many do you think they need to stay in the hunt for finals? Look, realistically, out of all three of those games, I don't see them getting points um, against Sydney at all. Uh, just. Just because Sydney have been, you know, even when they're playing poor, they still seem to run riot out there. Um, against the Jets and against us, it just depends on on the day. I think they could pick up six points. They could pick up a win against the Victory and and the Jets over there. Um, I think they need to pick up at least six points out of the nine. I think one loss will be okay. But if they walk away with a draw or all three losses, then obviously they've got to kiss their season goodbye. So I've spoken to some Glory fans and they've said that they want them to lose for the rest of the season. So there's a shake-up behind the scenes. I don't know how I don't know how I feel about that because I'd never want my team to lose. But that's some of the thoughts that's going behind closed doors with some fans. So it'd be very interesting to see how they go. Blaine, what about yourself? Are you optimistic heading into these three games, with especially with having two of them on home soil? Yeah, they're massive fixtures, aren't they? Um, you know, obviously Melbourne Victory. What do they they sit? Uh, uh, geez, almost, uh, yeah, uh, eight points, uh, six points above us, and then Sydney FC, kind of away from everyone. Um, 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, both teams are actually in the Asian Champions League, as we know, so it'd be interesting to see if they um, come off any... Um, I haven't had a look at the fixtures, but if they're coming off any trips away uh, uh, in the days previous. Uh, Sydney FC, uh, they had to to one Blue Wings after they play us, so that won't make too much of an issue. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's you know, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see and go out and have a crack. Um, and, yeah, um, hopefully we can come up with the points and, and sneak into the finals um, for the sake of the fans and the club, I guess. So the, the finals thing and getting into the six as is being championed and has been championed for the last month or so, um, where do you sit on it, Blaine? Are you... Would you chalk it down as being a, a decent end to a bad season, or would you see it as being, you know, something that we can hang our hat on, made a fo- made finals again, and then we can just add to the squad and aim for a top four this year? Or, and I hate to bring this back to you uh, as you expected this year with Glory in the top two and getting to the grand final. It, will you have? Would you have? What I'm getting at is, would you have the same optimism for next season as you did at the outset to this one if Glory make finals? Yeah, well, I guess it's going to have to go down to, um, you know, without sitting on the fence too much, it's going to have to go down to the, the players and the coaches and the, and the club and what kind of goals they set and what kind of KPIs they set at the start of the season. Um, from a, whether, the, you know, whether they uh, view it as a, as a uh, success or how, how they, how they view it. Um, from a fan's point of view, I mean, I guess you just want your, your club to, to do the best they can. And if that means um, scraping into a very, very mediocre final system that, you know, plays into your hands, then I guess so be it. Um, but I'm sure, um, unfortunately, in the, you know, the Australian mentality as they, as, as we, we keep going back to at times is that everyone loves a final and everyone supports their team in a final. So. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm sitting on the fence a bit, uh, and still, still, um, the jury's still out for me in certain certain ways. All right, we'll definitely revisit that towards the end of the season because, as I mentioned, you you were you, you were hopeful that Glory could possibly make it into the top two this year, and they're currently 18 points off second spot with a game more played, and that's a that's a massive gap. So. Oh. oh. Just wait until I get to the rest of the predictions where a certain person predict Bobo for top score and uh, and a certain Adrian to take out the Johnny Warren medal. So I'm I'm hanging my hat and I'm calling it early. It, it could go could go well for one of us. Put it that way. Um, let's let's take a break there and on that excellent uh, bit of self praise. And uh, we're going to come back in the second part with more general talk about the A League a little bit on the Socceroos squad and some local MPL. You're listening to The Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. Okay, welcome back to the second part of the Far Post Perth podcast. As mentioned, we're going to now crack into a little bit more about the A-League in general. And We mentioned before the uh, the break how some of the teams that Gloria are coming up against soon are faring at the moment uh, in that race towards the, the final series. And Blaine, Sydney FC continuing to steamroll everybody in front of them except the Jets who they lost to recently that was a bit of a not so much a surprising result but considering the Jets went down to 10 men it was, would have been a massive confidence boost for them as a squad to to know that not only can they beat Sydney but they can do it shorthanded as well and that could be a, a psychological boost going into the the final series 
Yeah, no, the New- Newcastle, um, they were brilliant that day. Um, as I said, they, they went down to 10 and, um, geez, that crowd was phenomenal, 18,000, um, up there. And, um, I think they had jets, uh, you know, proper jets, um, flying over and everything like that. And it looks like they've just got a, um, a quite a bit of positivity happening around the club. And I think, um, Laura McKenna and Ernie Merrick need to take uh, quite a bit of credit for that. Um, they're doing some really good stuff. Um, in terms of chasing down Sydney FC, um, in the league, but yeah, you are right. It could, um, it could play in ones of, uh, of Sydney that, you know, this side has and can knock us. Up. Interesting to see how it, how it all unfolds to come finals time. Donna, um, just mentioned there, yeah, about, about the Jets and, and how well they're doing, but there's also talk of, of them losing players. Andrew Naboo is already gone and, Demi Petrados has been linked elsewhere, and these these moves at this time of the year is definitely not ideal when a, a team like the Jets, who hasn't played deep into the finals for quite a long time, um, has that momentum going. Is is there any danger of of a disruption from from those uh, player movements? Of course, losing someone like Andrew, who's in quite a bit of form, um, is going to be a huge loss to them. But from what I'm watching from this squad um, put him aside the belief that they have and the way they're playing and I think the whole club as a whole out of most players or all players and everyone that has worked under him has said that and I think you have complete control over the player losses of course it's not ideal as you said because you don't want to lose big name players like that at this point end of the season especially before finals I don't know whether they could have held off I don't know whether they could just waited to finish what you know? What the situation? I know the J League's already started, so I think for Andrew, he wanted to get there as quick as possible. But I don't think it's going to disrupt them. I think um, the mentality of the squad at the moment is is strong, and they just all believe in each other. So I think they'll be fine. Okay, we got Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory in third and fourth spot. Um, there's 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 still potential for them to be caught by Western Sydney and, and Adelaide, so they're not guaranteed that um that home final just yet. But playing out of those two sides, City and Victory, uh, which one do you fancy to do a little bit more at the latter end of the season? And Victory have been coming good lately, so if they can get a bit of a, a run of form going, you, you probably couldn't doubt their their first eleven. Although Leroy George is, you know, it, it, a lot a lot of what they do this year depends on what sort of mood he's in. Yeah, Sydney, uh, Sydney, Sydney, um, Melbourne City have just got a bit stagnant over the last few weeks, haven't they? Um, and yeah, obviously Melbourne Victory, um, obviously producing some decent results after a, a bit of a, a bit of a poor run, um, and even producing some, uh, results in the ACL, uh, in the week. So they're, um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be good to see the vibe around, around Melbourne, you know, with these two kind of neck and neck and who's going to, who's going to get the chocolates over the other one. But yeah, no, I, I can see almost City. I can see them falling away a bit. And but you are right. A lot goes down to whether victory, um, victory players are on, on song. And it was interesting to see um, Bessart Bruce's uh, demeanour the other night um, during the ACL. Um, he wasn't a he wasn't a happy chap at all. And there's even a, a bit of comments on on Twitter um, suggesting that maybe he's starting to come to his end of his. Uh, tenure at at victory but maybe donna could give us a bit more insight into that oh come on people are so funny he's always pissed off 
Every player gets pissed off when they get dragged, and he is one that never hides his emotion. I think there's literally nothing in it, and it really annoys me when there was such a great game and the victory played so well in that second half. They just absolutely were just – it was the best performance I've seen all season, and I think most victory fans will say the exact same thing. Him being dragged, he had to be. He's, he wasn't keeping up with the players. Muskie made the call, brought on two young'uns with Hope and Theo Harris, and – Look what happened in the end. So he's always pissed off he's going to get dragged, and I'm sure every player gets pissed off if they were to get dragged early. So there's literally nothing in it at all. Okay. Move on. All right. Uh, let's go down <laughs> to the very bottom. Um, Blaine, we have, to, we have to question. It's the thing that comes around every year. Question the validity of Wellington Phoenix's participation in an Australian competition. Are they justifying their existence with this uh, with this season and their performances lately? 17 points, rock bottom, heading for a spoon. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit torn on this because as much as I don't want to see, um, you know, a football club go go down, if you like, um, I think we do need to. We are we are starting to hit a bit of a junction where we do. Um, need to start thinking about whether it's suitable to have a a New Zealand side taking the spot of potentially uh, an Australian an Australian club. Um, and you know, what's been going on in terms of um, you know um, potential second divisions and pathways and this and that. Obviously, it opens a getting another Australian club in does open up the um, the potential for you know thirty odd the twenty twenty to thirty uh, more players to play at um, A-League. Donna, what about yourself? The um, the Knicks, I I'm I struggle to get on board with them every year because there's been a couple of seasons where I thought they played really nice football, and yet the results it just hasn't transferred into results. It just seems to be whatever they do. It leads to, to little or nothing, and I don't. I don't really. I don't want them kicked out of competition by any means. I just like to see them being a bit more competitive, and I think that. Um, but what I do think they are in danger because the focus is going to switch to expansion within Australia in the next couple of years, and they may be uh, left by the wayside. Yeah, I have to agree. I'm on. I don't want them to get kicked out. I've always been an advocate for them to stay in the league. but And I don't know what it is with the club because they had Ernie, Mer- uh, Ernie Merrick there, so they can't blame their coaches because he's one of the best coaches. Look what he's done with Newcastle. Is it that the culture in the club, you know, behind the doors, the president and whatnot, just aren't on board with the coaches? I mean, the coach that they just had, um, I can't even remember his name, or is it Dragon or something? He's seven... Uh, he's been sacked from seven different clubs. So do they do their research before bringing someone in? Uh, when Chris Greenacre took over previously, he had a good run. Obviously, recently he didn't. They lost. But I think they need a complete shake-up. I think they need to do a huge clean-out of the whole the whole squad um, because none of them are performing. I don't think any of them deserve their positions. And the games I've watched play have been absolutely – they beat – I couldn't even believe that they beat the victory. Um, but they were just – they just aren't playing good football. And I don't know how they they could just walk on that pitch and pick up their wage the next day because I think that's all they're doing at the moment. Um, either the players have lost faith, the club's lost faith, or they're just like, oh, you know what, we've got our extension now. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. So they need a huge shake-up. They need a clean-out. 
just get rid of them all and start fresh. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that Roy Krishna signed another contract. I thought he'd be on oh, his way yeah. out, but no, he's sticking around. So I guess, yeah, there'll be a bit of talk in the off-season about the Knicks, as there always is, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, on the international front, we have um, uh, some games coming up. There's friendlies against Norway and Colombia for the Socceroos. Uh, Barfa and Marwick's uh, First game in char- games in charge ahead of the World Cup in Russia, and we all obviously already know that Graham Arnold is going to be taken over from him on a permanent basis once that tournament comes to an end. Blaine, the 26-man squad was confirmed today. Uh, there's a, a fair few WA players or WA-related players in that squad. Uh, what do you make of it? Are you happy with the selections, or is there anyone you you think might be a little bit uh, unlucky to miss to miss out on a spot? Yeah, no, I think it's a uh, a pretty fair squad. Um, I think Jamie McLaren and maybe Brandon Borello were maybe slightly unlucky to miss out. But I think, um, I mean, that, I think we've got a definite call, um, which hasn't changed too much from what we saw under Ange. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he how he plays it. Um, good to see uh, your WA boys get in there. In particular, um, Alexander Sushna, who's uh, obviously. Um, Perth-born and um, headed overseas at a, at a very young age over to play in Eastern Europe, and he's played in a few clubs over there, but did have a stint back here with um, Perth Soccer Club, so it was good to see him come into a side. Um, not that we know too much about him, as he left, as I said, he left um, he left WA at quite a young age, So, um, but I think the rest of them are, are quite stock standard and, and pretty predictable. Yeah, Donna, Tim Cahill's in there again. He hasn't started a game for... Um for Millwall yet he's getting a few minutes here and there off the bench do you think his selection uh, this this points to the fact that he's, he's definitely going to Russia for the World Cup and are you happy with him being in there ahead of someone like Jamie McLaren who's um, who is playing regularly at club level I think for um, for Cahill I don't, I don't want to sound mean but it's his name and what he brings to the team if he doesn't play or doesn't get any minutes and he's just on the bench what he gives to the to the players and the way he is with the team, um, the confidence. You don't want someone like that missing out. Yes, he hasn't played. I think he just came off the bench and played eight minutes, I think, for Millwall. Um, but I think he brings different aspects. He may not get a game. He may only get a couple of minutes, but he also brings something else to the squad. Uh, the one that I'm most um, happy about is obviously Brillante and Naboo getting getting um getting picks for that. So it would be great to see them put on the Socceroos jerseys and see how they go. Yeah, there's a few people in there and that, that'll be looking to make an impression and, and maybe get themselves a spot on the plane. Brad Jones was in there. He's gotten a, a recall um, for the first time in a long time, but his club form certainly merits it. So I think um, age is no barrier there considering, you know, he's he's been so good um, for for uh, a club level in the Eredivisie. So he'll, he'll be... He'd be eager to get some minutes. Um, there is, as you said, there's some players that have done well in the A-League that are in there, and Naboo and Petrados you know, with the Jets have, have been really, really good this season. So I think it's a fairly balanced squad overall. There isn't too many complaints people can have, and I think there's enough in there to satisfy the curiosity of people tuning into these games and uh, and getting a look, because we don't have too long left until the World Cup and not too many more opportunities for, for guys to make an impression. Um, Blaine... The choice of opposition, you've got a European team and a South American team. Countries do tend to try and play um, teams with similar styles to those in their group before they head to a World Cup. 
um, are you quite happy with these the, the, these two teams as opposition and, and think that we'll learn a lot from the, the two games coming up? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a worthwhile exercise. Uh, Norway, um, I mean, they've, they've been known to be able to play some good football in the past. And, of course, the Colombians, um, you know, have made World Cup after World Cup um, over, over certain periods. So, but obviously, yeah, I see your connection in terms of, um, you know, playing uh, similar kind of styles uh, to who you're going to play in a World Cup. Obviously, Norway right next door to Denmark and, and Colombia um, in uh, comparison to Peru. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a worthwhile exercise. Um, I think the only thing that I'm a bit disappointed about was obviously it comes down to the calendar. Was we really are only going to get two, maybe three games in if we have a farewell game um, before the World Cup, and I'm, I'm wondering whether that will be enough time to be able to um, uh, for Bert, uh, Bert Van Marwijk to to really um, uh, influence the players and get the players to play how he wants them. To be playing um, and at a decent level uh, in time for the World Cup. Yep, yeah, it is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the with the game here. It was talk previously of it being at um, the new Perth Stadium, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And I think a few people might be a bit more reluctant to go along to that, having seen the configuration for the NRL that was here last weekend and how far actually you would be away from a rectangular pitch. So we'll wait and see what happens there. One team that is coming to Perth in the next fortnight is the Matildas, and they're going to be playing Thailand at NIB Stadium. Donna, are you interested in this, looking forward to it, heading along? Absolutely, the Matildas. I can't wait to see them. Uh, I'm first to say that I wasn't um, a huge fan of the women's football team quite some time ago. I just wasn't into it. Not a fan, I just wasn't getting into it. But the game that they're playing at the moment and the style of football and just the players from Devanna to, to Kerr, it's been amazing. So I'm excited to see them here and to send them off in style. So I think everybody should head along. And I don't think the tickets are that expensive. They're $20. So no one can complain. Yeah, I think it's uh, 15 <laughs> if you're a registered player. I picked up oh, a couple oh, um, with that. Yeah, yeah, but if you're just general public, it's 20 but Blaine, there's been talk about the amount of interest actually in the game um, in the sense that uh, the, the sections that have been made available for purchase online and the fact that we are not too far out from the game and there doesn't seem to be too big a hype outside the, the usual um, football accounts tweeting about it and trying to trying to big it up. Um, are, are we in danger here of of not doing this, uh, this, this occasion justice in Perth? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100% we are. I think we got up to the wrong foot um, in terms of um, the initial outlay of the stadium was they were going to have just the uh, Eastern stand open, which uh, I think that's a massive disrespect to the Matildas and a massive, um, uh, well, we, you know, we saw what hap- can happen when it is, um, when it is uh, promoted correctly um, and um, everyone gets along. We saw what can happen in, in Sydney and Melbourne. So, um, yeah, I was quite, disappoint- uh, quite disappointed with that. And you are right. I've only really seen, um, besides the, uh, I haven't really seen anything besides the odd little bit of, uh, digital marketing and, and this and that on the, um, on the Socceroos channels and the Matildas channels and through the FFA channels and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was, um, quite disappointing, uh, to just get off the, off that mark. But I've seen, uh, I've uh, seen uh, recently they've actually opened up um, a few of the um, ends as well. Um, 
So I guess they must be going on a on a buyer demand um, kind of um, capacity. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that is the case, and people do pick up tickets uh, closer to the event. It'd be nice to get at least ten thousand there for you. Think so, but you never know with the way Perth folk are, and it's a Monday night, and people have to be up for work the next day, so it may not happen. But fingers crossed it does. Let's uh, turn our attention then to the uh, MPL, which is through three rounds of the competition so far. It's no surprise to anybody really to see Bayswater City leading the way. An impressive. Three wins uh, from three games. They've scored 15 and conceded two. Uh, I watched them play a couple of weeks ago, and it, it just seems to be standard Bayswater. They've topped up the squad with players from other clubs who have hit the ground running and have looked to added added plenty to the squad. And Blaine, uh, I think it's going to be really difficult for anybody to catch them this year in the regular season. Yeah, Bayswater, um, you can see in their ability to, uh, you know, pick up, uh, score plenty of goals and, and pick up points. But it's, uh, it's good to see Perth Glory, um, get off to a, uh, a winning start with the young side, uh, they've got. I, um, I covered a few of the games, uh, actually one of their games last week for Football West. Um, and they were, they were pretty impressive in the second half. Um, and they obviously rolled all over, uh, your United, um, Neil, but, um, they've got some good young players and, and they seem to be showing a little bit more, um, physicality and, uh, you know, um, they're quite proactive on the ball and they're, they're playing, playing decent football at the moment. So it would be interesting to see if they can keep up, um, especially down the line when, uh, Perth Glory usually try and, um, send the guys away for a bit of a rest who have played seniors as well. Yeah. I think the thing with Bayswater for me is the options that they have on the bench. They seem to have a lot more depth and, than the other squads going around and, and that will stand them to good stead as the season goes on um, down further down the table the, you've got well, Perk Laurier in second at the moment Donna. the kids the kids are alright as they say uh, they've got two wins and a draw from the first three games they um, they seem to be doing alright they, they, there's only really Jake Brimmer um, in the team in terms of players that have had more than the odd run out in the A-League so it, it's not like they're fully stacked with um, with senior players right now yeah, normally you don't see the senior players for quite some time till after they've had a bit of a break and then decide to give them a bit of run for fitness. But good on them for doing so well um, at the moment. I just want to go on to Florian about how they lost those um, those points uh, for the administration era. It just baffles me that in this day and age, um, clubs are still doing that unregistered, not have, you know playing unregistered players. I don't understand how that happens. So I don't know. You're involved in a um, heavily involved in a club meal. Is that something you would expect at the moment, or do you think that that's something that should never happen? Um, it should never happen. Yeah, you should have your house in order. I think they, they said there was an uh, a red comment or form or something that an email was missed or there was an oversight and that kind of thing. But surely you check it once, twice, and three three times to make sure your team is registered before the season starts, uh, whether it's 18s, 20s or the first team um, because it's a pretty serious implication to to lose points this early in the year um and it's not just it's not just that at florida that it, it's happened um, there's been other teams have lost points at in 18s and uh, maybe 20s as well already so yeah it's a case of check it and check it and check it again and have those communication lines with football west to make sure it's done and people won't necessarily notice outside of the first team that's why the 
this one has been talked about so much. But at the end of the day, like it could be the difference between either a final spot or um, staying in the division. As we all know, three teams go down this year, so it's just, it's going to be quite a tight battle at the bottom. I think um, for especially the final relegation spot. Uh, you know, previous years it was only one team going down, so now you've got three. It's it has to, it, it's about keep everybody staying on their toes, and you're really giving a gimme to some of the other teams around you by losing three points. Um, it, it gives them a little bit more hope, possibly, of survival if you are going to hover in and around those spots. And Florida would have had ambitions of, of being up near the top after winning the night series. You know, they've they've played a good preseason, but they've now dropped three points due to an error. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big pretty big balls up on on the part, but they've held their hands up and said. Sorry, it was an admin error, nothing to do with the team, whatnot, and that ultimately that's you feel sorry for the players because they're the ones that have suffered because of it. Blaine, who else have you seen so far? Um, I, I think we probably should give a shout out to Forestfield United for um for what they've been doing in the streaming world in in partnership with Let's Talk Football and the rest of the, the people involved there. I, I've I've tuned into to parts of their game so far. They had Flory at an opening night, and then I saw a bit of the game against um. Who was the other one that they had at their place? It was Armadale, that's right, the the, uh, the, ga- the game there. Um, yeah, great initiative, and Perk Laurie jumped on the bandwagon with showing the game against June Lup United. That was a really great quality stream. They even had instant replays on that. It was it was fantastic. Uh, are you happy with, with what you're seeing through the streams? Yeah, no, it's been brilliant, um, and well done to um, Forestfield United and Eamon Duffy and Andy Osborne and everyone who's got involved in, in trying to push that initiative, because I I really think um, it, it puts on puts WA football um, on a map digitally, um, you know, across the digital world and everything else. So, uh, well done to them for that. But also, I think um, I think Forestfield deserves a fair bit of credit because they've not only raised the bar in terms of doing initiatives like that, but they've raised the bar in terms of uh, many other aspects. I mean, there were seven seven hundred people down there uh, night one, and I think there was six fifty or six hundred. Um, to their second home game, and these are crowds that we haven't seen in WA football for for quite a quite a couple of years. Unfortunately, I don't know everyone will go. Oh, it's only seven hundred, but I mean, it is it is a big deal. But what they've really done well is you go down there and they've got all your junior players down there. They've got all the the local um, businesses and sponsors down there. They've, I mean, they've even had the local um, member of state parliament down there who apparently. Uh, loves his football and, um, you know, gets involved as well. So, I mean, it's, it's just really great to see. And I think, um, I really think they deserve credit. And a lot of the other clubs can really follow their lead in terms of, um, in terms of building a, a good community club like that. Yeah, I played, um, I played at Forest Hill a few weeks ago in a pre-season friendly and, uh, it was just the first time I'd been there since they got the stand on compared to when I'd previously played, um, at Harfield Park and, it's it's a really simple stand in that it's just a, basically an attachment to what was already there in in the club rooms and the bar and that kind of thing. It's so simple but so effective. You know, there's nothing nothing really revolutionary. It's just a load of concrete steps with some plastic seats drilled into it, and it spells out the the letters of the club's initials on it, and it just looks the part. And when you see the the stream and it's panning over, and you're seeing you know six seven hundred people sitting in there for a Friday night game. It, it, again, it's just so simple but so effective in in visual terms. It's not just people standing along a fence. You know, it, it actually looks like there's a crowd there wanting to, to see the game and support their their team in their first year in the NPL. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's been a great initiative, and we need to see more of it. Um, Donna, as a as a supporter, when you, if you were watching 
a stream like that, would that entice you to go to a couple more local games if you saw that there was one in winter, a, a facility, you know, a new facility which will keep you dry, and two, that there's a lot of people around you actually getting involved in it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been great so far. And I've watched snippets of the streams and I th fantastic work, as Blaine said, and as you said yourself as well, fantastic work to all involved. And seeing that many spectators come out and watch watch them play, it's, you know, a big thumbs up to them. And hopefully that spreads across the league as well, um, because unfortunately the MPL over here was slowly dying. Not many people were going to watch. You know, when I first moved here nine years ago, you'd go to the Floriette Sterling game and there'd be thousands of people coming to watch that big rivalry. And now you're lucky to get, you know, five, six hundred there. They've dropped dramatically. For them, you know, five, six hundred isn't what they used to get. So hopefully um, they've set the standard and it just builds because it, it's, it's looking very exciting and it looks great. All right, we're just going to run through this week's uh, games because there's, there's games. Um, Saturday is very, very busy. No Friday night game this week. On Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoffs, you've got ECU hosting Coburn, Bayswater are home to Inglewood, Balcada plays Sorrento, and Sterling Lions are, uh, are home to Armadale. So they're all 3 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, if you fancy going for a, an evening beer, there's a game north and there's a game south. You've got Junlup United against Subiaco. The uh, the former lawyer derby um, is is going on at Percy Doyle Reserve 7 p.m. and also at 7 p.m. Forest Field United against Perk Laurie. So if you're not too worse for wear after St Patrick's Day, maybe head along to one of those games in the evening. Or if you're nursing a hangover on Sunday, you've got Perth SC hosting Florida Athena. Uh, it's a bit of a tasty one. That's uh, at Dorian Gardens at at 7 o'clock Sunday. Blaine, what are you heading to yourself? Yeah, I'm down covering the Forest Field Perth Glory match this week for Football West. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to get down there. It is a little bit of a bit of a drive, but as we just said, the facilities down there are great. And, um, yeah, it's usually worth heading down and, you know, taking in the game and even hanging around and having a beer afterwards and getting to know everyone. So, it's, yeah, it's just a really good vibe down there. Cool. I'll be at Percy Doyle Reserve on Saturday night. So, between us, I'm sure we'll keep um, some scores going and, and some thoughts on the on the games and how they're progressing. So, yeah, we've got to keep that um, that MPL coverage up because it is it is good. It's that time of year when the Yale is going to be wrapping up um, for some clubs sooner rather than later. So we do need to turn our attention to the local game. And, um, there, yeah, there's some, some great stories in there that we'll be, we'll be focusing on in the coming months. But that'll do us for this, uh, this podcast. I'll say thanks to Blaine for your contributions. Thank you, Mike. And Donna, always a pleasure. No worries. Thank you, guys, and see you at the next game. Yeah, so we, as mentioned, Perk Laurie are coming up um, not this weekend, the following weekend. There's games at, there's a game at NIB, and then the following Thursday after that, there's another game at NIB against Victory and Sydney, respectively. So the guys will be out and about with getting the fan reactions after that. In the meantime, make sure to keep having a chat with us on the Facebook page on, on Far Post Perth. We're on Twitter and Instagram as well, they're up there, Far Post Perth as well, it's really, really simple, get on, have a chat, there's been some dis good discussion this week about Mark Bosnich's revolutionary plans for Australian football, there's a little bit going on now about expansion, and yeah, it's great to hear what, what people are saying, um, so definitely keep having a chat with, with us uh, on there, it's, it's really good to interact with everybody, but until the next time we speak to you, uh, make sure you enjoy your football, get out and watch some games, and if you're playing in the coming weeks um make sure you have a defibrillator on hand it's it's blaine's go-to device these days as he huffs and puffs his way around the local park so yeah until then enjoy your football we'll speak to you soon <laughs>